Hello, hello, and welcome to the What's Your Journey show. I am Spunky Susan, as Maverick Mary calls me. She thinks I'm spunky, so we will find out today how spunky I am, because I have a pretty amazing guest with us today. I'm super excited about sharing with you um, this series of conversation on Western medicine versus holistic health. And we are excited because today we're ha we have Ryan Matthews, who's an inspirational speaker, author, and a decorated veteran who trained elite army canines. And then he became a civilian dog trainer using his proven formula, the RCTR, to train over 3,000 dogs. He earned almost a million in two and a half years. Ryan is passionate about bridging the gap of communication between dogs and their owners. He does this with World, Do World of Dog Training and online dog training videos and Peace of Mind CBD, a natural health option for dogs with pain, illnesses, and behavioral issues. Despite Ryan's overwhelming success building a dog training empire, he felt like a failure. And as a self-professed workaholic, and I'm sure many of you can relate, Ryan put all his energy and focus into his work rather than into himself. After only battling years of childhood trauma and combat PTSD, which was a result from multiple life-threatening diagnoses and five, not five, y'all, five near-death experiences. And through his own self-discovery, Ryan has transformed his life and has made it his mission to share his gifts and talents to positively transform the lives of others. I got goosebumps already, you guys. Um, he's also a two-time author of The Canine Connection and The Art of Dog Training. Ryan is also an inspirational speaker who talks about PTSD and transformation. Who's, he's recently been doing some TED Talk. Um, his first TED Talk is called Overcoming PTSD with Dog Training Techniques. And his second is Life, Left, Life Lessons Dogs Teach Humans. Uh, Ryan developed an e-learning platform with over 100 online lessons for dog owners to continue their learning on demand 24-7. And he also has an upcoming book on his story of five near-death experiences and the transformation after a life filled with trauma. And there is no better title for his journey other than Survivor to Thriver. And you will um, definitely be sharing a lot around your PTSD, um, specifically around cancer today. And um, it just fits, your story fits perfect in our topic series. And we're just welcome you to our show. Thank you for being here, Ryan. I'm honored to be here. Looking forward to hearing a lot of all the insights for your audience. Thank you. So, so you guys will probably start seeing some stuff scrolling across the screen. Um, when you join us, please let us know that you are here. If you have questions, ask away. I'm sure Ryan and I will do our best in answering them questions. Um, 
And in the last series, in the last video um, or on our podcast where you can also find us, what's, you know, what's your journey show podcast, you can hear the previous where I actually shared my own personal journey of uh, chronic um, pain. And um, I, I mean, the list went on PTSD, all that stuff. And it was how I worked through it was through the transformation of my mindset. And I really strongly believe in the power of healing our bodies through the mind. So, so why don't you just share with us your journey? Like where did this all began for you? It actually started. (laughs) Where? As a, as a drug dealer, as a teenager. No, you're kidding. No, you can't make this stuff up. You're going to probably say it many times. I probably bought some from you. (laughs) No, I'm teasing. (laughs) Now, as I share some of these things that have happened, I'm definitely not advocating a a certain lifestyle that I once had. It was all part of the journey and necessary for me to get to where I'm at today. And it's interesting how I found a brick in the middle of the road. And now if anyone doesn't know what a brick is, that means a large brick-like um, amount of some kind of drugs. And I found marijuana in, thrown in the middle of the street. I don't know how it got there. And that's how I got into being a drug dealer. And I started to become addicted not to the drugs, but to the lifestyle, to the fact that I thought people needed me and I felt like I was important, but they just really wanted what I had to offer. Wow. So I became this drug dealer as a teenager, and I'm not going to lie, I thought it was fun. And it was because I wasn't ever really comfortable in my own skin, and I thought that I was living out the way that I needed to be to show off for my really macho and tough brother and trying to fulfill, uh, or should I say, fill in his shoes, right? Mm -hmm. So that led me to, for most of my entire lifetime, not being authentically who and what I am. Mm. That's an important life lesson for all of us um, yeah. early on in this, in this interview. Well, one day my friend and I, we had planned to sell my drugs at a concert and I say planned because my scale was broken. So I asked him if I could borrow his scale. He said, sure, no problem. Well, I didn't know, but he had an agenda. The nice part was as nice as it could be for the situation is that my brother taught me to always be ready for anything. That meant that I usually had a weapon on me, and this time I had a knife tucked alongside my shoe and and by my ankle. Well, when this friend tries to rob me, I try to stab him. Wow. Now, I never knew how to stab someone, and I'm happy to say that I didn't master that art form. What happened was the knife ended up slipping, and I nearly stabbed myself, or should I say cut my finger off, and you'll see it on the screen here. My finger is stuck like this because, and I can't bend it. And that's because the knife slipped and it cut my tendon and almost cut my finger off. Well, wow. the funny part about that is the fact that I was served six years in the army. And when you're in the army as an enlisted, I am required to salute officers. And guess which hand I have to salute an officer with? My right hand. So every single day I have this crooked finger, which is a horrible salute. And I was called out on it many times and it was really embarrassing. And so that haunted me for pretty much most of my life. 
No kidding. And that was actually not the beginning of my trauma. Some other things happened even earlier at the age of eight that we won't get into for the sake of time. And so this drug dealing then prompted my joining the army because this guy, the friend that I tried to stab, my failed attempt, and the joke is like, I wasn't cut out, you play on words, to be a hard criminal. <laughs> and this guy calls my work and he threatens to blow my head off with his shotgun. And that's when I chose to run away. And I decided to join the army. And I, I asked them for two requirements. I said, number one, give me station far away. I wanted to run away like a coward, right? Yeah. And number two, I said, give me military police. And that was because I knew that I needed that kind of discipline. And I figured if you can't beat them, you might as well join them anyways. <laughs> yeah, they gave me that. They gave me military police and they gave me stationed overseas in Germany. And so I eventually, in my six years of the Army, in 2002, I get certified as a military working dog handler. The interesting part is my very first dog was a narcotic detection dog. <laughs> <laughs> you got the former drug dealer working the narcotic detection dog, right? Right. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> now, the funny part about that was because I was pretty savvy with good stash spots, uh -huh. I would send my dog into a room to search. And then I would be searching the other hide spots because I knew the good stash spots. And they would always give me a hard time in training of detection. They would say, let your dog search, knock it off, quit searching for your dog. And it was, it was entertaining at the time. Yeah. Eventually, I got into graduating up to an explosive canine handler. And that was when I had done work with the Secret Service. And I volunteered to go to the war. And I worked with special forces and infantry on random missions. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was getting my PTSD heightened. You see... I actually had PTSD from bomb threats stateside because I took it so serious that I took on a mantra to have the courage to go in and search for the bomb. I took on a mantra of I am dead. Now, as we talk about mental health and Eastern and Western medicine and we talk about mindset, mm -hmm. I essentially cursed myself, as you're going to find out later what kind of impact I am dead had on my life. Yeah. Nonetheless, it gave me the courage to go in and search for these bombs. However, just driving throughout the town, and this was in Colorado Springs at the time, and just living daily life, my mind was constantly thinking threat, 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 threat. I was always thinking that something would blow up, such as trash in the middle of the road, a sewer manhole cover, and that got heightened more so after I went to the war. Wow. As a bomb dog handler, you're, you're taught to notice things that are suspicious, things that are out of the ordinary. And you're also taught to know that there's certain things that are ideal hiding places for an explosive. Mm -hmm. And I became over hypervigilant and over aware of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And that resulted in me coming home and honestly, I had a hard time going out in public because this is what happens, right? You get triggered out in public, and then I was well-known for having problems out in public, popping off, running my mouth to people. And it wasn't because I wanted to be mean. It was because I was afraid. I was in fear mode. 
Yeah. And at times being fearful can result in aggression, irritability, being rude. And that's what ended up happening. Wow. And, and you look like a tough guy. Yeah. You know, in your pictures, you look like you're pretty buff, you know, like you would be kind of scary to be approaching in public, especially if you're coming off with that persona. Yeah, I, I definitely am intense. And I say intense because if I play sports, I'm the person that's diving after the ball. In business, I really put forth a lot of effort. I still work probably 10 or 12 hour days now. And yeah. that's what I know. Yeah. So the interesting part about what you just shared, Susan, is that most of my years from like probably 25 and earlier, I was always trying to be that tough guy. I wanted to intimidate you and for you to be afraid of me. And really, it was just a protective mechanism as mm -hmm. to say, stay away because yeah. I'm afraid you're going to maybe hurt me. Yeah. And now I really have been doing the work to be the opposite of what I once was, to be a very caring person and be an inviting person and one that smiles at strangers. And I don't want to mislead your audience. Look, I slip still, right? Mm -hmm. I still get triggered and I'm not perfect. And right. but the essence and the core of who and what I am is that kind human being that smiles towards other people. And the last thing I would ever want to do is intimidate or make someone afraid of me. In fact, I would rather invite them and welcome them into a conversation or a connection or something like that. Yeah. Well, and I agree. I mean, even I, I even still have moments. I mean, we're human being and, and I think that's a, a, a misconception that people have is that because we're, we've, you know, we live these transformed lives or, you know, we've expanded whatever you want to name it um, that somehow we're just, on this, you know, we're holy grail and, and nothing goes wrong in our lives. And, but the fact of the matter is, is we're still human and we still have human moments. And we, and I, I don't know about you, but for me, if I get triggered by something, um, one, I'm, I'm immediately aware of what are my thoughts? What's going on around me that would trigger it? Is it a person? Is it a thing? And then I can just work through it a lot quicker than any, you know, someone else who would not have these same kind of tools. Absolutely. <laughs> important is to have some, some go-to tools that you feel confident in implementing when the stuff hits the fan, because things are going to happen. It's mm -hmm. inevitable. It's just the reality of life. And yeah, mm -hmm. it is important to have that emotional and mental intelligence to be able to use some type of tools that feel good and true to, to each yeah. other. Absolutely. Well, I was wondering, so I know that you, you had, you know, those years of experience with the, the trauma around, you know, the bombs and that kind of training and stuff, but just day-to-day -day men, you know, um, <coughs> what, what what do you think for men? Because um, they don't have to walk around like that all the time. Like okay, so like for example, my husband, what before he started living a transformed life, like he just was always on guard. And you know, um, I mean, we could be driving down the road, and if somebody didn't use their blinker, he'd be yelling out the window at him. <laughs> you know, just I mean, uh, my 
my oldest son, you know, he, put, he puts on this tough persona, but he's this marshmallow inside. Right. Um, why, why do you think that is? And what would you say to a guy? And I'm sure you, you've worked with many men who it's okay to let your guard down at points or, you know, I, I'm not sure. What does that look like? I'm really glad you did that because I feel as though we start to change the dialogue on what it is to be a man. Mm -hmm. See, we have this perception and the reality is this, we put these pressures on ourselves based on what we believe a man to be. Now, my truth is that I never did have a male role model to teach me what a man is. Yes, I have a father, but I don't think my dad had figured that out for himself. Right. So he certainly hasn't shown me. So therefore, I was looking towards other sources that weren't always healthy mm -hmm. on what it is to be a man. Yeah. Now, I've had some realizations as I have begun my, my discovery of my transformation, and it, it took, honestly, 35 years. I'm 38, I'm about to turn 39 in December, and it took me a long time to get there. And honestly, I, I don't really care because I'm just appreciative of the journey because I wouldn't know what the other way is like. And here's what it comes down to. It comes down to us being so concerned what others think about us. Yeah. The number one fear is not death, it's public speaking. And it's because people are worried about being judged. Yeah. And you know what? People are going to judge us regardless. And some people will love us and some won't like us. And I always say, look, you could take the same product, whether it's lemonade, Oreos, or a broom. Some people love it and some people hate it. I don't understand it. Some people will never uh, use a broom. They'll only vacuum, whatever. And it, people just have preferences. So if we can just get over the fact that we will not make everyone happy and not everyone is our tribe, it's very freeing. Yeah. There was another thing that You're was sorry. freeing. Absolutely. Another thing that has been freeing for me, and that was, and this is part of my seven keys to unlocking your unlimited potential, and that is to accept authentically who and what I am. Mm. You see, I have these tattoos and, you know, I have a, I'm, have a decent build. You know, I'm not a scrawny guy. And people have, and then they learn I was certified in Army SWAT and this bomb dog guy and Secret Service and all this other combat. And they have this perception, right? Right. Well, I can feed into that and, and say, yeah, that's who I am. But, well, that's just a piece of me. But it doesn't define me. Right. And one thing that was extremely freeing was me accepting the fact that I don't need to be the macho guy that my brother was or still is. I don't need to be that. That I am my own person. And then I began to look at, well, how do I want to be known as? How do I want to be? And it's actually not that tough guy. It is, I do have warrior in me. I will always have a warrior in me. I just hope to never show it. Show it. Yeah. Emergency happens, the warrior will surface, no problem. And that's what we need and want in that time. Other than that, let's let that thing hibernate um, potentially mm -hmm. indefinitely and tap into authentically who one is. Mm. Right? Yeah. That was very freeing. And I, so I think we have all these men going around, puffing out their chest, and they're just scared boys. Yeah. 
the reality is I've been a boy most of my entire life. And just because I was doing things that I thought made me a man, you know, had multiple cars, had, was successful, could drink a lot or whatever, was partying or sleeping with women. That's not what made me a man. It's what I thought made me a man. And it's mm -hmm. what fed my ego. Right. Not what made me a man. What's making yeah. me a man is making this world a better place and contributing my gifts. So if I see a trash on the road and I'm walking by it, I'm picking it up. Nice. I, that's what, and it's not about being a man. It's about what a solid human being does, whether it's a child, a woman, a male, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so just really don't worry about doing what you think you need to do for society, for your parents, for your friends. Do what we each need to do for ourselves to allow the essence of who and what we are to really shine. Mm -hmm. And the interesting part was that some of my more macho friends started to fall off. And mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm reestablishing my tribe. Now, the other thing that was a game changer, and I didn't even have this awareness, I thought this was just something people talk about, I didn't know it was really a thing, was the fact that all of us, as men and women, we all have masculine and feminine energies within us. Yeah. I had no clue about that. And the only way I had that awareness was through the various modalities of healing. And I'm always mm -hmm. thinking um, growth and spirituality development, and, uh, mental development and these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And that was a game changer because I could, I could tap into that feminine at times. And that doesn't dilute me being a man or my right. worth or anything else like that. In fact, it's more being a complete human being. Yes. So for men, I would encourage that. And so what does that mean to tap into our feminine? Does that mean to wear like walk around with a skirt and a tutu on? Maybe. I don't know. I won't. But I think <laughs> it's more about tapping into your feelings. Right. More about rather than stopping your breathing and getting pissed off, taking some breaths and sharing how you feel. And then yeah. doing it in a respectful way. And at times I still slip. I'm not perfect with this. And yeah. but overall, let's take that time and speak our truth. And that doesn't mean to be rude and be a prick. No, we just straight up. And that's self-worth and self-love. And that also means to express our emotions and our feelings. And that's important. And we're, I remember when I was younger, I would only allow myself to cry three times a year. It was rationed. Wow. And now I cried on both of my TEDx talks and I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, that's, but that's real, you know, that's you. That's right. And here's a right. little, I'm going to give everybody a little secret right now. And I really recommend that you remember this and it will serve you, especially if you want to get into speaking, always speaking. Uh -huh. And that is, People will appreciate and be attracted to, in a non-sexual way, they will be attracted to your vulnerability and tapping into your emotions. You will be well-received. I can guarantee you that. That's a hack that a lot of us think that we need to suppress. And so when I'm being interviewed, I don't hold back the emotion. And here's the thing. 
these emotions or crying, it's just energy. That's uh -huh. all. And so we don't need to make it a big deal. And I just want to encourage the men out there, quit trying to be who you think you need to be. Don't worry about what the media says about what a man is. Be authentically who and what you are as a good human being. Mm -hmm. And being willing to tap into both a masculine and a feminine. Yeah. It means let's be of service to others. Let's be gentle. Let's be caring. And you know what will start to happen is you'll start to get that soul food. You'll start to be feeding your heart, and it'll start to feel really good. And it'll yeah. become, it'll become the new norm. I actually okay. I, I was invited to share my story with a nonprofit called Creative Vets, and they help combat veterans tell their story by way of music. And I shared my story with number one songwriter Jonathan Singleton, and we created a song titled That's What a Man Does. I will send it to you, and you can post it. It's okay. titled, That's What a Man Does. And the song is not about a man. The song is about a solid human being. And one of the lines, I'm going to be vulnerable like I just like I just talked about. I'm going to back it up. So one of the lines, one of the, I think it would be called courses. I'm not musically inclined. It says, running from the truth as fast as you can. Now that represents, oh. that represents the daughter that I disowned 12 years ago because I was only stuck on myself. I was mm -hmm. selfish. And I only thought about how that would impact my life. I was only thinking of myself. And I'm happy to say two years ago, I reached out. I was able to find her and her mother and reached out, and I have started to develop a relationship. So that line, running from the truth as fast as you can, represents Ayana. And then it says, um, run from the truth as fast as you can. Can't find a fight, find a one-night stand. Now, that was my army days where I was into sleeping with women because I thought it made me cool and macho and I thought that I was important or wanted or desired. And I had something very interesting where a therapist said, Ryan, have you ever thought that those people are using you, those women are using you for their needs? <laughs> and they were across my mind. So some food for thought for any of you listening. Yeah. Drinking, right? Drinking. Yeah. And that was just my lifestyle. So that second line is, um, can't find a fight, find a one-night stand. I got ahead of myself on the drinking, so the fighting. It's just so all about, you know, prove how cool you are, prove that you're tough, you fight, right? And then yeah. the last line says, not thinking a lot and drinking too much. That's what a boy does. You see, so all those things that I've done yeah. that made me a man, I'm saying, no, 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 I've had it wrong. And maybe we as a society have had it wrong. Right. That's, that's what a boy does. Wow. I got total major goosebumps. First off, I acknowledge you're being vulnerable about your daughter. And um, I'm sure today she's like just honored and blessed to have that relationship with you now. And, and, and you are right. Coming from a gal who it was all, I was selfish. Um, I look to men to fill a need, a void that wasn't there called, I need you to show me that you love me, even if it meant giving you my body. Right. And so, um, 
so that that it is it's a two-way street and i people just need to get their shit response then just get responsible for your part in the relationship old and new and free yourself from that crap because you know I, I, I'm in some groups where I listen to these women complain and complain and complain, you know, and I put in my two cents and stuff and offer my insights. I was in several abusive relationships. I chose to be in them. I didn't ask them to beat on me or nothing like that, but I chose those relationships because I first off, like you, I didn't have a mom who knew the best way to raise her daughter she was doing the best she knew how with what she had and but you can't live out the rest of your days blaming everybody else all your circumstances and it wasn't until i got responsible and accepted the fact that i chose those relationships i chose to put myself in bars and drink my you know pain away and get addicted to opiates and all those crazy things. But it's like you said, it's part of that journey who's made me this bold, powerful and courageous woman today who I'm, I'm highly proud of That's Queen Eva here, you know, because I, I found it was because of some, another man's mm -hmm. kindness who's who's looked me dead in my eyes and said you deserve so much better and showed me a way and and i owe him my, my life and and I, and I think that the more you are out there sharing your story especially this stuff i you know it all comes to our health be i mean i'm just going to kind of lead this into our health because before I started experiencing extreme chronic pain and was diagnosed with all these diseases and PTSD and depression and all those things. I was ready to just commit suicide and get it over with. Fortunately, I did that obviously didn't happen because I was showing a new way. Um, but once I tr had my transformation and accepted responsibility that I'm the, the creator, I'm the author of my story and started doing that inner work and healing and the power of forgiveness. I, it's radical forgiveness. Like I found forgiveness in those men and I found compassion for them. They like you, they were boys. They didn't know any better. They weren't raised any other way. They, you know, so we were both seeking for the wrong things. <laughs> you know, and so, but once I went and done the healing, it was like, I'm, I'm not pain free. I'm not living in chronic pain. And I, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I've never even went back to the doctors again. So I don't even know if it would still show up on an x-ray for all as I know, it's probably gone. <laughs> I don't know. But I just, you know, I totally acknowledge that your vulnerability and how young you are, we're not too far apart. I'm 45. Um, mm -hmm. But what you've gone through and that you're still young enough and you have the rest of your life to share this beautiful message to, to the world. And, and I only pray that we reach the, these youth the ones that are out there committing suicide, the ones that 
are going in and shooting up the schools and the mental health because there's another way. So, yes. So let's, let's move into your, your cancer. Like I'm really curious how you use your mindset to overcome cancer. What's that? Tell us more about that. Sure. Sure. I got out of that in 2006 and I was involved in a really horrible ATV accident, which I almost killed myself and an ex-girlfriend. And that prompted me to move to Colorado to take care of her and nurse her back to health. Well, when I had moved to Colorado, I didn't know what I was going to do for work. And so I decided that I would open up a dog training business. And I paid $12,000 to buy into a dog training franchise, essentially. And I converted that 12 grand into close to a million dollars in two and a half years training pet dogs. And everything was all good, so I thought, except for I was never really addressing the root issue. Instead, I was just working all the time, and yes, I was making a lot of money, and yes, I was helping a lot of people with their pets. At the same time, I wasn't taking care of myself. And at the peak of my dog training career in 2011, mm-hmm. I had commercials on TV, made all that money, but I ended up having stomach pain for five months. And that ended up being stage three colon cancer. Wow. And I was shocked. I had no clue what it was. And I just thought I would get some pain meds. In fact, I told the doctor, I said, hey, doc, just give me pain meds. Let me be on my way. I got to get going. I have to get back to work. And within 24 hours of seeing the doctor for the first time, I was under the knife having the, the mass removed. And two months after that, heart, uh, sorry, two months after the uh, cancer diagnosis, I end up having a Widowmaker heart attack on the 4th of July. Wow. And we don't know if that was from the chemotherapy or was it from my PTSD anxiety on the 4th of July, which is a tough day for a lot of veterans mm-hmm. that are yeah. in combat, should I say. And I ended up going through chemotherapy for six months. And I remember this was a game changer. I remember one of my dog training clients said, Ryan, I'd like to help you with your cancer, and I would like you to come up to my house and do cranial sacral work with me. I was like, what's what's that stuff? And I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I trust her. She's cool. We're good friends. And so I'll do it. And I remember laying on her massage table at her house, and she was – I'm laying down, and she is by my head, and she has her hands like almost touching or maybe touching my head. And she did that for like a long time. And I'm like, just thinking, this is so stupid. Like, what are we doing here? Because I like to go, 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 right? I like to go an hour. Well, she then said, what are you going to do about your cancer? I said, oh, I'm doing chemotherapy for six months. I just had my second round of chemo or my second or third round of chemo. And she said, that's not what I'm talking about. She said, I'm talking about your mind. 
I sh and I was like, I have no clue what you're talking about, Kathy. What are you, what are you telling me? And she said, look, create a game in your mind. And I would encourage, she said, what I would do if it was me is I would have little workers inside my body or inside my head or wherever we need it to be. And these little workers have these big scrub brushes and these workers scrub away any kind of illness or disease until there's nothing anymore. Oh, I love that. And so she said, now you develop your own game. I was like, okay, I'll develop my own game. And I then went down this journey of learning about creative visualization. Mm -hmm. And so I listened to this audiobook. And if you want, I'll look it up and I can share it so you can share it with your audience. And yes, in that. this audiobook, I ended up finding a way for me to develop my own game. And my own game as it relates to creative visualization. Now, here's the thing. I would have these obtrusive thoughts every single day, especially at night. In fact, I remember speaking to my ex-wife at night, looking to her at night and saying, will I wake up tomorrow? Like I had no confidence because of all the health stuff that I just went through. Yeah. And I have essentially developed a game so that I could rid myself of these obtrusive thoughts of getting cancer again, of will I wake up? of my heart is not healthy because my heart was extremely damaged. My heart took a huge blow and mm -hmm. was not functioning at 100%. Wow. So I had to come up with ways to really get my mind back. So what mm -hmm. I developed was this. And it's interesting how it, it stems from childhood. So mm -hmm. that was very important for me. So yeah. for those of you that are interested in doing this, I'd encourage you to use something from childhood because it's going to really have a huge impact on you if you can use one little element of your childhood as it relates to your creative visualization. So mm -hmm. here's the thing. I pretend, get the thought of, oh no, I, I have this weird feeling in my body. Is that cancer growing? Do I have cancer? Now, I don't yeah. want to have that thought. So what can I do? Here's what I did. I pictured that. I'm very visual. Uh -huh. and it'll be important for those that are maybe not so visual to maybe record an audio that are auditory. Anyways, I would essentially picture this word cancer. And then also I would put the feeling and the sphere of, of that with that word of cancer. Now I believe that in a past lifetime I was in, I was alive in the sixties and I was in New York, I'm part Italian. And I was like maybe associated with the mafia and I'm kind of drawn to some of that stuff. Just It's just in me for some reason. And, and instead of shying away from it, I'm embracing it. So for that reason, yeah. I like this New York deli, right? So the new, I'm in the New York deli, and this word cancer and this feeling goes on the butcher paper on this New York deli counter, okay? Really old school. Now, I listen to the butcher paper crinkling and wrapping up the word and the emotion that I don't want to hold on to gets wrapped up in butcher paper, which butcher paper has a very special sound, right? Right. So then what happens is I then bring in childhood. Now in childhood, I have one of my core beliefs that is, doesn't serve me as I'm not enough. It has to do with abandonment as a child. Well, that means that sometimes I lack confidence and think that people won't reach out to me or something like that. 
in fifth grade, we and I don't support this because it's not good for the environment, but in fifth grade, we all wrote down a note on a postcard and we connected it to a balloon with helium and we sent it off. And I don't remember what the purpose was, but I remember looking at that balloon, looking at it rise, looking at it rise until I could no longer see it. Mm. That's relevant. Yeah. I, I remember that I forgot all about that we had done that as a class. Months pass, and I got, an, I got a, a correspondence that someone received my little postcard, and they wrote back to me. And I felt so <laughs> important, and I felt so valued. And, wow. and that was imprinting for some reason, and I, I honestly don't know why, and I honestly don't care. However, yeah. Yeah. I use the balloons they tie to the butcher paper, right? So it's this thing I don't want to attach to. These balloons get tied to this cancer word in butcher paper, many balloons, many balloons, many balloons until it's so light and it starts to drift up and up and up. And I watch it just like I was a little guy until I no longer see it. And I repeat that process over and over and over. Every single time I get the obtrusive thought or feeling that I'm going to get cancer again, or I can use this for pretty much anything actually that I don't really want to hold on to. I'm releasing it, and guess what happens? I would do this hundreds of times a day, and now the thought of me maybe getting cancer comes maybe once a month. If that, I don't know. It rarely ever comes. And so that's my creative visualization technique. I and love that. Thank you. And I feel like it's important that people understand why I have each part or each element so yeah. that they can create their own that is unique and special to the essence and core of who and what they are. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. I, I absolutely love that. And it made me think of the, have you seen the heel documentary? No, I haven't, but I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, it's on our, it's on the what's your journey show. There's a, a link to it. I put it on there. <laughs> There's a gentleman and for the life of me, cannot remember his name. He's pretty known. He was also in the secret, but he did the same thing. He used, so he was in a, a really bad accident. He was riding his bike like a triathlon or something. And he, I think he said he was doing like 50 or something like that and slammed right into a car and they told him he'd be paralyzed. Well, and he kept visualizing repairing the bones in his spine and, and after, after so long, now he walks and his spine is healed. Wow, that's awesome. And there was another, have you seen The Secret? I have, yeah. Okay, remember the guy in the airplane accident? I remember Bob Proctor and I think Lisa Nichols, but I don't remember those two gentlemen. Okay, the one guy in there, he talks about, he was in an airplane accident, had a feeding tube down his throat, was never going to walk out of there. And he, all he had was his mind and he healed his body one bit at a time. First, starting with being able to write on a notepad. Then he was like, I want to breathe on my own. So he focused on breathing on his own. Then he focused on, I'm walking out of here by Thanksgiving. And he walked out of there. That's that is awesome. so powerful. And to actually get to meet someone and hear the power of your mind 
in your healing. So you're, so you're, what you're actually saying is through the power. So what if someone has a hard time visualizing? Like I'm one of the ones, there's like three out of a and people who say they can't visualize and I practice. Yeah. That's what if you can't see pictures in your mind? Yeah, they think give up on that and just find something else. So maybe what will be great is to write almost a script. And if you prefer to hear things, then all you do is you record it and you oh. play that or you create your own mantra. Like for example, okay. in the shower, I have I am happy, I am healthy, I am humble, I am a loving mm -hmm. man, I am enough, I am in the now and present. What else is possible? Yeah. So I try to find different modalities to ingrain certain things into my brain and into my body. And so, yeah, if you're not visual, then you just find, are you other ways? Okay. Are you more kinesthetic? So you could write it out maybe. Oh yeah. Journaling like, is my big thing and visual um, and listening. Uh, have you heard of John Ashraf? John Ashraf. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He has a neuroscience program. So I listen to that daily as I listen to it's 12 weeks worth and you listen to it every day, two, three times a day. And it's reprogramming the neuros in, neurons in your brain. And uh, one yeah. of them, he actually has you put something in the, the air balloon and let, and watch it float away. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I don't see an air balloon. So I just <laughs> listen. <laughs> I just listen. Okay, cool. Well, at least I know that I'm doing, you know, something that can still connect because the purpose is probably connecting the thought to the the healing, like, gra you know, like gratitude. I, I use gratitude as another way to, you know, for my healing process and stuff. Right. But there was a key thing that you said that I absolutely love and I've worked with many clients um, is get to the root cause of things that have happened. And it's not even necessarily traumatic things that, uh, that have happened. I've heard pretty small things. And then when, but they, in, in, in a human's mind as an adult, they're thinking it's probably something horrific. And it turns out something silly, like your brother took the fish off the hook and, and you made a decision in that moment. I'll never let a man help me. <laughs> like that you know what I mean so getting to the root cause of those things are part of the healing process absolutely yeah I feel like we all need to do the work to go back to childhood yeah thank you for that thank you so much for sharing that so tell me about this dog training so I don't have any dogs yet but my daughter is she's man i'm telling you she is going to manifest her german shepherd oh looks like we lost you there for a second can you still hear me i can hear you yes oh there you are she wants she's going to manifest a german shepherd and, and maybe you might have some connections oh yeah i reach out to you you can connect me with some people with a good breed <laughs> and i'll just come to you to train them <laughs> what, what state are you in I'm in Montana. Montana. Actually, where, yeah. Where are you at? I'm in between LA and San Diego in Orange County, California. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. 
I'm actually going to be going out to Montana maybe next month or the following, probably October, uh, because oh, wow. we'll start carrying these natural pet supplements. Yeah. From Glacier Peak Holistics, and they're in Montana. Oh, oh awesome. So not your way. Uh, I don't have any contacts for dog stuff out there as it relates to dogs, um, but I have I have a nationwide network that we could certainly help you guys find your dream dog. Now, okay. I, I tell people, look, we get dogs based on the cute factor, and that's all wrong. We want, right. like, we don't find a partner only based on looks. Therefore, we want to look at the essence of the animal. I so tell my husband, but that's why I married him. <laughs> he is quite sexy. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and so we want to we want to essentially get an animal based upon it being a good fit. Yeah. So okay. if we're not very active, we don't want to get a border collie that needs a lot of energy expended and this kind of stuff, right? And so uh -huh. it's important to get a dog that's aligned with your lifestyle so that oh. it feels good for everyone, right? That's why okay. I said it doesn't matter what the dog looks like. What matters is the personality. Is it aligned with your personality? Okay. Yeah, she's dead set on a German Shepherd. I don't know why. She's five. Yeah. And since we, her, I helped her create her first vision board when she was two. That's cool. And that's when she she has a bit a picture of a longer haired German Shepherd, and she's dead set on a German Shepherd. But and we've explained to her like same with horses. She yes yes. After I'm done with my show, okay. Maybe. <laughs> um, you know, same thing with horses. It's you want to you know. There's a connection that gets made. So this is this is my daughter Bella. Hi Bella. This Hi, is Bella. Ryan. I'm actually so this is my youngest child. I have four adult sons, okay. and I'm a grandma. Nice. <laughs> so that's the future German Shepherd owner. Yes, the future German Shepherd owner. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely have uh, I have a huge group that I belong to where they're looking to rehome German Shepherds all the time. Actually. Okay, awesome. All right. Right? German Shepherds are a lot of dog. If we look at what are those dogs bred for, they're bred for herding or mm -hmm. they're bred for police or military type of work. Mm -hmm. So this isn't a dog that is good for every and any household. So you all will need to exercise the dog every single day. You'll need to give it mental stimulation, right? And she, yeah. she has a lot of mental stimulation. <laughs> That's probably why she chooses him or her. Oh, okay, your thing is making a lot of noise. Can you go help somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, so the reality is that, you know, the dog won't teach themselves, and the dog will be as good as you all uh, insist or follow through with. And so you offer, I love that, you offer online programs to help dog train people to train their dogs. Exactly. So, because my hourly rate is very expensive and not everyone can afford that. And I don't want that to be a barrier to not get your dog trained. Okay. Because what happens when a dog doesn't get trained is it causes a, a hassle and people take them back to the shelter and the dog doesn't win because they're getting yelled at. It's just bad for everyone. So that's yeah. why I created these books so that people can learn by reading the books that prefer that type of uh, preference of learning style or maybe others prefer to watch videos. Okay. And 
uh, I just created a Facebook group called World of Dogs where I will have a group and a community where I offer dog training advice and it'll be an opportunity for people to connect and ask questions amongst each other as well. And what's the name of the Facebook group? It, it's World of Dogs. So close to my, my business, World of Dog Training, but it's just World of Dogs. And we'll talk about CBD. I have a CBD line for pets. We'll talk about other natural modalities to help dogs. And we'll talk mm -hmm. about training as well. Okay. Well, that will lead into two things. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience and our listeners today? Um, really in regard, I mean, because you've shared a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And what is like the message that you want to make sure that people get today before we end the show? It's the fact that we all truly are the creator of our own reality. So figure it out, what it is that you want in life. And if you don't know that, we need to start with that, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever you think about will expand. Mm -hmm. So we need to look at how are our thoughts? Are we sloppy with our thoughts? Are they negative or are they positive? Because whatever it is, we will get more of. And so I will offer your audience a free 15-minute breakthrough barriers discovery call, and we can look at where they are at on, on their life and their purpose and their mission and all that kind of good stuff and help them really. I feel as though it's everyone's duty to share their gifts and talents with the world, right? And for some of us, we haven't discovered that. So I really like to help people uh, discover that, or if they've discovered it but they just don't have the confidence, I like to inspire people to have the confidence to really get out there and share those gifts uh, because it's also really fulfilling. Yes, it is. Yeah. It very, it really is. Um, all right. Well, and I went ahead and put um, the link to so that you can connect with Ryan um, to take advantage of a free dog training secrets revealed call or a free breakthrough barriers call. Um, so that is included. You'll see it scrolling across the screen right there, but I also put it in the comments for you as well. Don't forget, he has a new Facebook group that you can connect with him there as well. Um, and I just want to um, acknowledge you, Ryan, for the work that you're doing in our world, in your community, and the lives that you're touching, not just through your dog training, but with the, with your message, with the story. Um, you know, with your PTSD that you dealt with, the and I'm looking forward. Please let me know when you come out with your new book. Um, definitely stay in touch, and I can't wait to see your new TED Talks video. So please share that as well. And thank you for being vulnerable, courageous, brave, and oh, exceptionally, accepts exceptionally extraordinary i appreciate that absolutely well it was it was a great time i think we covered a lot and i just hope again that it's of service to your audience and yeah. that's that's what it's all about is being of service thank you all right thank you and for the listeners um this will be on the timeline for um, probably about 48 hours and then you'll be able to catch it on the podcast and youtube all right thank you have a good 
afternoon. Namaste. Bye-bye.